Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. Hello, welcome. Yeah, welcome everybody to another show of this. Uh, We'll start right off with one of the bigger stories from the weekend, and that's the shooting at the nightclub in Colorado Springs, Colorado, which ended up killing five people and injuring uh, quite a few more. And uh, what do you know? One of the headlines that came out later was the shooter was on the radar of police. Hmm. Yes, uh, he uh, held his family hostage at gunpoint. Uh, a year and a half ago. No prosecution. How do you pull that's that not, off? Yeah, it's just a family dispute. I think, yep. you know, <laughs> you, uh, you, you might be exaggerating it. Uh, Anderson Lee Aldrich has been arrested on murder and hate crime charges. 19 people were injured. And uh, the thing that made this not worse than it was, was that apparently they did tackle him. Uh, a couple of bar patrons jumped over there and uh, I guess put their lives on the line. Alex Stone has took this been, guy down. Has been in Colorado Springs, and he's going to tell us uh, what the latest is. Alex, how are you? Hey there, guys. So, yeah, a couple of things uh, that you were mentioning. So, first of all, on the radar, sort of, in the sense that the El Paso County Sheriff uh, had the standoff with him last June, a, a year ago, uh, June. And um, then it moved forward in the family, because it was his mom who had called 911, saying he had made a bomb threat, and the police went in, and they found guns, from what we understand, uh, and that was kind of the end of it. They arrested him, but mom didn't want to prosecute. Family members didn't want to testify, so it kind of fell apart. And uh, the, the courts tossed it out and said, well, the, the family, uh, who are the ones who were the victims, if they're not going to participate in this, then it's over. And uh, that's pretty much all we know about 
any uh, communication he had uh, with police. So and there's then, wait, there's no the, line you cross with your behavior, even holding uh, hostages at gunpoint and making bomb think, threats, right? Where where it doesn't matter what the family thinks. I, I don't I don't really understand that. You would think, uh, but the, the courts decided since uh, nobody was willing to, to move forward with it, they didn't have a case, and it was going to end. Now, he had an AR rifle. He had another gun as well, but he had the AR that he was able to, to buy legally, and uh, it seems that because all of that case fell apart that it probably never flagged on a background check uh, here in Colorado. So he was able to go and buy the AR, even though he had not that long ago held his family hostage, was in a standoff with police, that, uh, that they found weapons uh, when they went in there. So the other part of it, though, being the guys taking down the shooter. And this is what here in Colorado Springs everybody's talking about today. So uh, two customers inside the bar, one of them, rumors are, we don't know who they are yet, maybe either ex-military or current military. That would make sense in this community. Fort Carson right down the road, the Air Force Academy up the other way, that, uh, that they said no. And as he was shooting, he had a bunch of magazines, and uh, they went. They took him down, beat him, it sounds like, to a pulp. He's still hospitalized right now and uh, saved a lot of lives. That This otherwise would have been like the, uh, the Pulse Club shooting in Orlando, that he had so much ammo, and he was going to town, firing into the crowd, and they, they wiped him out and, and took him down. This is what the Chief's saying right now. At least two incredibly brave citizens that were inside the club. And uh, as soon as they could, they grabbed onto him uh, and, and detained him. The fact that we're two days into this, almost two days, and he's still in the hospital tells you how badly he was beaten, and they don't know when he's going to get out. And to, uh, people in the club, they say they would have been dead. No, no question about it, that where he was, where he was shooting, that they were going to die. And uh, this bartender, he was hiding behind the bar. He says, those people, those two guys who jumped in there, he wants to know who they I are. I don't know who it is, but I know that they saved my life, and I want, I want to thank them, and I need to thank them because I'm grateful today and every day for the rest of my life. We may find out later tonight. Police are going to be doing an update here in a little while. Maybe they're going to name them, but uh, they may never want to be named. Uh, we don't know. But uh, there's a community here that is saying we want to know who they are. They want to say thank you that, uh, that they ended it. The, any word that this guy has anything on social media about, uh, you know, hating gay people, trans people, anything like that yet? No. So that's the weird part. He has zero social media footprint, which makes no sense. Nobody today has zero footprint online, and he has nothing. And so police and the FBI, they're trying to figure out, does he go by a different name? Uh, you know, does he use an alias? They've looked at the dark web. They've looked at main social media. Nothing there that they've seen, although with the hate crime charges, apparently there is something there now that uh, that they know about um, beyond just going into a gay club that they have to prove that he was specifically targeting the LGBTQ community. And so maybe today they have found something. We don't know what that is. Now, there's reports, uh, Alex, I don't know how much has been followed up, that he should have been prevented from having a weapon at least because of this threat he made to his family. Did you find that Colorado has a red flag law? Yeah, well, I mean, the red flag laws are totally different. Those are if police believe that you're a threat because of something, and now that they could have made that claim, uh, then they can, uh, or a family member can file with a court to essentially uh, get a, not a warrant, but like a warrant, to take away the gun. Separately, though, then there's the background checks that 
Uh, there, there is a belief that that arrest should have flagged in the, the system uh, when he bought the, the weapons, and it didn't. Again, the, the theories are that the computer system would not have rejected it um, because that court case was tossed out, but uh, Coloradans are asking the same thing. They want to know why. Why, why was he able to go in and get those guns? How uh, has the family said anything now after he committed no. this massacre? No. And we understand that they do not want to work with, uh, with the, the police, that uh, the mom is wow. uh, at least uh, the, the indications we're getting that uh, she's saying no. Great. Wow. What a sicko family. I mean, they created this monster, yeah. and they protected the monster, and now the monster went out and killed other people. Yeah, well, I'm sure police would love to get more insight from the family, and maybe they're now giving it, but uh, but at last word, uh, they, they weren't getting a, a lot from the family. All right, Alex, thank you very much for that report. You got it. Thanks, guys. All right, Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI, on the scene in Colorado. Boy, it's, we it's, had this nightclub shooting at a place called Club Q. It's almost an ironclad rule, though. When somebody finally uh, guns down a large number of people, there's always incidents or another big incident in their past or some kind of public uh, presence online where they were making it clear that they were unhinged and violent. None of this happens out of nowhere. None of this happens as just a spontaneous moment. And, and I cannot believe you can hold your family hostage to the point that mom's calling 911. They come in, they find a bunch of guns, and they can't find a way to prosecute him for something just to get it on, on his record. So at yeah, least it would be more difficult for him to buy guns. Even they if they weren't going to cooperate, the family was not going to cooperate, but they could probably still make a case somehow. Well, yeah, because, you know, you, you've got the 911 call for starters there. That in itself is evidence that something ridiculous was going on. You have the guns when you arrive at the scene. What a weird family. According to uh, one of the law enforcement officials, they never proceeded with the case for the reasons that Alex laid out. Ultimately, the case files were sealed. Mr. Aldrich petitioned the court and got the files sealed, which may have had something to do with the fact that he wasn't really on the radar when he's out there buying guns. Possible. I don't know yet. But how about that? So not only did they not charge him, they squelched the whole police right. call. So you, so you can't find that anything ever happened. Wow, that's just crazy. That, I mean, I mean, the system fails over and over. The people in the system fail over and over again. Whether it's police, prosecutors, judges, investigators, they fail. And the families fail. The families create these monsters. All right, we got more coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI, AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. All right, we're talking about the shooting at the nightclub in Colorado Springs. Five people killed, 19 injured. We just talked to Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI. There were reports that the gunman probably would have killed a lot more people, but he was taken down by a couple of bar patrons. The New York Times believes they found one of them. His name is Richard Fierro. And he said he was at a table at Club Q with his wife, daughter, and friends watching a drag show when he just saw gunfire ripping across the nightclub. He was deployed as an army officer in Iraq and Afghanistan. So the first thing he did, and uh, his wife and daughter, by the way, recovering from injuries. Some people were hurt by gunfire. Other was just hurt because they were scrambling uh, to get out of there or take cover. Uh, he said he charged through the chaos at the club, tackled the gunman, and beat him bloody with his own gun. There were reports that this gunman also had a, uh, a gun in his, uh, like a 
pistol in his pocket, and it kind of he pulled it out and he beat him with it. I don't know whether he beat him with that gun or with the uh, the automatic gun, the semi-automatic gun that he was using. He says, I don't know exactly what I did. I just remember I went into combat mode. I just know I have to kill this guy before he kills us. Um, apparently, they're saying that his account closely matches all the accounts given by police and city officials. And they looked at security footage from the massacre. And the nightclub owner, one of them, looked at it and said that that looks like the man who took down the gunman. But the club owner says, I don't even know his name. I'd really like to meet him. And apparently that's going to happen because this is quite a dramatic story. And this is something we've talked about in this show before. In these mass shooting situations, we just got to, I know it just sounds incredible to say sometimes, people just got to fight back. They got to do something because otherwise you're all just victims. Yeah, I mean, you can run and you might get away. And that's obviously the instinct of most people. Other people just duck and cover. Duck and uh, cover is the most likely way you'll end up getting murdered. Well, if they just start walking around the room because nobody's yeah. stopping them, they'll and, pick you off. Right. Uh, and in an enclosed environment like a, a nightclub where there aren't many exits and he's got he's got a big gun, yeah, he's likely just uh, going to go table to table, look under the counters, the bar, and just p- pick people off the way you know uh, school kids are trapped in classrooms. And they so, all end up getting picked off. So Fierro said he served in the Army for 15 years. He raced across the room, grabbed the gunman by a handle on the back of his body armor, pulled him to the floor, and jumped on top of him. What makes this story even more amazing is we have estimates that the gunman was 300 pounds or more. I did see today that he was an enormous person, this this shooter. So this huge loser comes in with body armor, Yeah, walks in there and decides he's going to take out the whole club. Was he shooting at the time, Fierro said? Was he about to shoot? I don't even know. I just knew I had to take him down. So they sprawled onto the floor, and the military-style rifle is just out of reach. Fierro started to go for the rifle, but then saw the gunman had a pistol as well, which I mentioned he had like a pistol in his pocket. I grabbed the gun out of his hand, started hitting him in the head over and over. Um, As the fight continued, he yelled for other people in the club to help him. A man did grab the rifle, and a drag dancer stomped on the gunman with her high heels. There you go. Well, that's yeah. a little bit of flourish there, isn't it? Oh, those are weapons. He kept pummeling the shooter's head with the gun while the two men just screamed obscenities at each other. When the police arrived, the gunman was no longer struggling. And uh, Fierro actually thought he had killed him. But um, he's obviously alive. But that's uh, that's quite a tell story. You, for an Army veteran who... Uh, who uh, Served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, he uh, takes his wife, daughter, and friends to a, a drag show. That's an interesting entertainment choice for a guy. Like that. It's a Saturday night fun. I don't know uh, why. It's, uh, uh, that's the apparently... last guy I would have expected, to, you know, to, to be the hero at at, at a uh, location. Says he like was this. awarded the Bronze Star twice. Yeah, and uh, he still has uh, nightmares of his deployment. Right. But, probably. Uh, well, he probably had a flashback. He like sprung a, into action. As soon, as soon as the gunshots went off, he was back in Afghanistan again, and he had to go and kill the enemy. Right. Wow. That's, yeah. uh, and I guess in Colorado, everybody can walk into a club with, uh, with a gun, and uh, nobody does a check because Fierro had his own gun with him. Right? Uh, no. No, he no, tackled no, no. the guy. He tackled the gunman. The gunman had a pistol in his pocket. Oh, and, he grabbed the pistol. And that's and what he hit gun. him with. Right. right. I misunderstood. The, guy, I, the, the I, shooter had two guns. Yeah. So then that's what they do, and they certainly have uh, more ammo in case they run out, but sometimes they carry several guns in case there's a malfunction. It's, that's what kind of sick and crazy is. Uh, the media went digging 
on this story. As we mentioned before, uh, Eric, uh, or rather Alex Stone mentioned that uh, Aldrich does not have any social media footprint at all as a big zero. And he's only 22, which is kind of rare for a 22-year-old today. Not to well, he spent most of his time eating. He, But he does have a grandfather uh, who, <laughs> who is a Republican assemblyman named Randy Vopel. Represents part of San Diego and Riverside County. Is that right? California's 71st Assembly District, but uh, he just lost. He just lost his race. And uh, they did some digging, and, uh, well, he's, Randy is well known for comparing the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol to the American Revolutionary War. He was mayor of Santee I, for two decades. I, I bet you the entire family's insane. Well, considering the mother said, yeah, we're not going to, let's wipe out this case. Yeah. And, and, and all the other family members didn't want to uh, testify when he held them hostage. And nobody wants to comment or help the police now after he uh, killed all these people at the club. So that that's like several generations of sickness going on here. And you, uh, you got a guy who's 300 pounds at the age of 22. You got some serious mental mental disorders going on there. Yeah, Vopel told the Union Tribune after the January 6th situation, the riot... This is Lexington and Concord. First shot, first shots fired against tyranny. Right. He added, "Tyranny will follow in the aftermath of the Biden swearing on January 20th." He's from Sydney. later on, though. He did say that he did not condone the lawlessness and violence at the Capitol because he. I remember we had this guy on the air, Vopel. Yeah, because he's he's fairly local, and there's only about you know seven. Republicans uh, in Sacramento. I, yeah, I don't recall the name. And, I don't and, know if Ray and does if he's either. That's I, nuts. I wonder if he was involved in some story. Well, he added, the left has their crazies and the right has their crazies. I don't support either one. I support the First Amendment and the ability to protest as long as you keep it peaceful. So I well, I don't know that he ever made the news for being on the show uh, or for, for getting on the show for being in the news. But uh, he, lost, just, he lost his assembly seat yeah, in I've heard, election. Yeah, I've, I've heard his name. The name's a little bit familiar, so I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, but that's, you know, this is the a family can create a beast like this. And there's almost there's nothing anybody can do about it, it, it except the I'm sorry, the police and prosecutors have to. I don't know. What, when did police and prosecutors just lose their aggression, identifying bad guys and giving bad guys everything that that the law allows? When when did that happen? I have I cannot last few years. Just so many cases where it just seems like prosecutors Gave up. Or the police gave up. I've read so many stories that we do where, well, but charges were never filed. Well, charges were dropped. Well, you know, he, he, he got a, a, a suspended sentence or he was uh, allowed out on probation. It's just over and over again, this permissiveness, this weakness. And it just creates uh, more victims. Well, I think the lesson we learned this one and a couple of other shootings in the last year Somebody has to step up and do something or there will just be a mass shooting. And in the case of this, uh, because obviously, in the panic of the moment, it's hard to figure out what to do. But this gunman apparently was moving out across the bar uh, towards the patio. So he kind of had his back to our military heroes. Well, that's the said, thing. This is where I got to spring into action, just how grab many, him and take him down. But how many nights? this guy really was 300 plus pounds, that, that could not have been easy. This, this, this military guy must have been pretty strong. How many nights? If you went to a drag club and a shooting broke out, would there be an Iraqi and Afghanistan veteran in Not, the audience ready, no. to, ready to take charge 
and and go after the guy with the gun. I mean, yeah. So many people. I mean, really, it was turned out to, for the survivors turned out to be the luckiest night of their life that this guy was there. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, we'll uh, get more coming up. Johnny Ken, KFI, AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. All right, well, uh, he was asleep. The man who ran down those police recruits last Wednesday morning in an area of Whittier has spoken. NBC4 got the interview. They're running it in its entirety, I guess, tonight at 11 o'clock. But they have released a clip that we will play uh, family members are saying the same thing. He is a good man, and he just fell asleep behind the wheel. This was not a deliberate act. Steve Gregory will be along. He'll have more, too, on the condition of one of those uh, recruits that was hit. It has been downgraded to grave. Uh, we had talked about this man last week and that uh, he was hurting pretty bad after taking the brunt of the force of this SUV, which ran through the crowd of runners, the recruits who were out for a morning run. So we'll talk about all this coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. Well, guess where I was last night? I'll be like John Colbelt. I'll never say where I am until afterwards. <laughs> okay, that's probably smart. The it's... final Elton John concert. I knew it. I was at Dodger Stadium, which was really unbelievable. I mean, concerts, I don't go to too many concerts anymore. But they have added so much in terms of audio and video quality. The huge screens, yeah. which even if you're sitting, because I looked up in the upper deck, I had pretty good seats down low. And I looked up and I said, I don't know what you're up there. What are you going to bring binoculars? But, but with the screens, you could see Big Elton's face behind the piano. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was a huge one in the middle and one on each side of the stage. And uh, the whole stage was really elaborate because that's just the way he, he, he performs. Uh, but it was it was really good. Um, I would say that his voice is definitely still there. He couldn't hit the high notes as well, but you know, like Crocodile, right? Nah, 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 nah. But everything else sounded so good, and the sound system—he's banging away at the piano. Now he's seventy-five years old. He admitted that a couple of times. So he gets up from the piano to engage with the audience, walking out in front of the stage and kind of bowing. But every time he did, at least in the first segment, he was wearing this sort of tuxedo, and the shirt kept coming out. His belly was showing. He, <laughs> he was kind of crumpled looking. But, but, and he kind of shuffles. He kind of shuffles along. He is overweight. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he would, be, <laughs> there would be any doubt he well, would admit that. If your belly's hanging out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, he did a couple of costume changes. And I had heard somebody joke about this, uh, that he was going to wear. Remember the... The 1975 concert, the roots of all of this, that was uh, when he was really taken off his career. Of course, he credited L.A. specifically because he came here from England looking to kickstart his career. He ended up playing at the Troubadour, and that, that's where he basically got found. And uh, everything took off from there, and then America really started buying his records first to give him national and then international fame. So Yeah, he'd been bouncing around a few years. He and was, he, he was yeah. getting close to uh, giving up, right. and I think I, I think a, a manager or an agent arranged this appearance at the Troubadour and invited a lot of people in the music industry and the music press to see him. And apparently, he put on and, quite a show because yeah. back then he used to really bang at the piano, jump up in the air, and of course he had the outrageous outfits. This is all part of his trademark. So, that, yeah, and he was uh, 
very contrite about it. Was very, very. Uh, he just thought it was incredible what Sutherland. He did that concert in 1975. He did a couple of nights at Dodger Stadium, and apparently that's what some people consider to be one of the greatest concert shows that they had ever seen. And later on in the show, or maybe I don't know what part of the show, he's wearing that Dodger outfit, little number one Elton, he's right? The, and they got the sequins all over it and. So many people showed up last night wearing that. It was kind of bizarre. Um, <laughs> people wore all sorts of outfits. They wore the boas. They had everything that they could. You know, you know hardcore fans of anybody are frightening. Yeah, I learned that yeah. uh, <laughs> last night. And, uh, and then when they get drunk and they're screaming along, it's like, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's nice that you enjoy his music and it's great music. but <laughs> There's a line. <laughs> so we were wondering if he would come out and sort of redo uh, that whole Dodger baseball uniform look? Well, he did, but uh, it was a robe. <laughs> a robe. <laughs> Back to robes on the John and Ken show. Oh, no, that's... A, a sequined robe. Yes. Well. <laughs> it was a very loose-fitting robe that he... <laughs> I believe his clothes were on underneath it, but um, that's what he wore. Well, at least it's loose-fitting. <laughs> there were reports that they still had that outfit he wore in 1975, and they might take it out so he could wear it, but others were like, eh. Oh, he's not going to fit into that. I don't know how, how much do you have to take it out? I mean, you know, because he was kind of a thin guy back in the 70s. <laughs> and, uh, um, so he's, he's enjoyed all his success. Yeah, so it was a, a great night, and you may have heard that Two nights before, he did a Thursday, and then uh, he did a uh, he did Saturday and Sunday shows. He skipped Friday, and after the Thursday night show, this couple got beat up in the parking lot. I, I saw that headline. I'm like, oh no, not again! Not the Dodger Stadium parking lot. Uh, apparently, a couple in their sixties. This this was the Elton John concert. Got attacked. Looked like there was some kind of fender bender. And the husband got out, and he was upset because the side view mirror, I guess, got pulled off or got bent or got something. And he started asking uh, the people because, you know, you're stuck getting out of there, and there's people walking, and there's cars merging. And so he said, who did this? And apparently some woman came up, and uh, she was uh, intoxicated obnoxious. This is the daughter who's talking about this. And, and, um, and she swung at dad. She swung at my dad first, and he went to block it. But the last thing he remembers is three or four guys just started hitting him all at the same time. Right. And a bystander took video. So they have made an arrest, at least yeah. of one man. If you've seen the video, John, there's one guy that's kind of parading around like he was the main, uh, the main yeah. puncher. Yeah. Th- nobody jumped out and stopped it. They didn't have, like, the guy in Colorado Springs. But everybody's willing to jump out and take video of take you getting video. pummeled to death. Yeah, that's well. He, uh, he helped them afterwards. Um, he helped them, and I guess he helped get the well, police and well, such. Then and they he has dra- the video evidence, which is nice. He did something. Then they uh, tackled mom, who's in her sixties. Yeah, she got out of the car because she's like, "Well, they're attacking my husband. I got to do something." And uh, yeah, she got hit too. Uh, the daughter says hit so hard on the concrete that people heard her skull hit. And everyone was certain she had cracked her head. She blacked out when she came to. She was looking around. No one was helping them out. And she looked at my dad and looked lifeless. They have both recovered, but he got a concussion. And uh, the family is planning a GoFundMe. So uh, who, who are these thugs? Uh, they have not released any name. I, I mean, any I, details of this man. It just says one person arrested so far. It looked like a couple people got involved I, in this. but I, I mean, I've mentioned this before in past years. One of the most frightening places that I've ever been has been a Dodger Stadium parking lot going back years and years ago when that idiot Frank McCourt owned the team. And there was just, uh, 
I'm not look I go to all the Rams games SoFi is also an ugly place and a dangerous place I have seen fights and people just kind of staggering out of there so freaking drunk and if it happens to be a later game like one of those 530 games oh my god when you get out of there at nine o'clock people are so blitzed and so angry and so worked up because sporting events get people but I've gone to think more than concerts get people so revved up you've gone to, to sporting events in a lot of cities right Oh, yeah. I, I have, too. I've never seen the, an atmosphere like there is in Los Angeles after a game. Never. And why is it? They say that uh, L.A. fans tend to be, uh, you know, dead compared to other. Yeah, during the game they are. They don't have New York or Boston. They go in the uh, parking lot, and it's a war zone. But, I, <laughs> and I mean, I've gone to lots of games in Philadelphia and in New yeah. York and New Jersey and Chicago. I, I've never, ever seen anything like L.A. <laughs> no, I don't get it either. But uh, maybe well, they ought to take it a little easy on the booze. The, and I'm talking about the, the venues. Oh, selling it. Well, the, remember, they, they, they do cut it off after a certain point of the game, don't they? Uh, yes. But up until that point, you've seen these guys where they walk around with with two hands and two beers in each hand. I've yeah. seen guys walking four beers uh, uh, back to their seats and, and they'll just stack them up, line them up until they get to the seventh inning. Although I mean they've they've tried to charge uh, Dodger Stadium, they're charging like nineteen ninety nine for a beer. Oh, are they really? Yeah, but it's a tall beer. It's it's like it's like double sized, I think. But nineteen ninety nine. There are people that this is their night out, and sports are very important to them. So getting wasted, they think, just adds to the uh, hey, man. Well, I have a story to tell too. I was well, so out of it that night. And... Well, fine, but don't beat the poop out of an older couple on the way home. No. You lose your judgment once you're too drunk. <laughs> he was offended by the fact that the uh, the older man said, uh, "Who broke my uh, side view mirror?" Or I guess because the girl, yeah, the well, girl first got obnoxious. I guess he was going. I'm going to defend yeah. her and uh, no, give you, this guy a shot. Yeah, when that happens, I swear to God, no matter what happens in Dodger Stadium, I don't care if they like pull the doors off my car. It's like I'll take the hit, hit the gas, drive out of there. Can't get into a debate. And whenever you have like people willing to stand around in a parking lot after the event is over. Nice. Yeah, just hit the gas. Yeah. Well, basically, what the because Dodger Stadium, that was a cluster bleep, and people are walking in between the cars. Yeah, people are, who park right outside the stadium, and then there are people who park like forever, a gazillion miles away, and they're walking and walking, and they're walking between all the cars. So did, that's where it can get ugly. Did I, I, I wonder, did Dodger Stadium work in the 60s with that layout? Uh, I, I, I mean, it's, I, I don't understand it because the. It, it's the same capacity inside the stadium, so presumably the same number of cars show up. Has it always been like this? And yeah, then, I would think it is. I don't think there's been a real lot of changes so there. Back in the 60s when they built the thing, nobody thought that this was a really unwieldy way to create a parking lot? <laughs> it's just... Uh, They're all like that. I used to go to sporting events in New York, and even at SoFi, it's ridiculous getting out of some of the parking yeah, lots. Yeah, SoFi surprised me because they're new. Right. Yep. Yep. Well, they're they're in Inglewood. They've only got the little local streets to uh, to contest with, and it's it's not good. You just have Manchester and Prairie, and it's just a. All right, we got more coming up. Johnny Ken KFI AM six forty live everywhere on the iHeart Radio app. Coming up after three o'clock, an update on the big story from last week: the man that drove his SUV through a crowd of joggers. They were police recruits jogging in the morning in an area of Whittier. Twenty five were hit by this SUV and. We still have a, a number recovering from their injuries, including one man whose condition was downgraded to grave. 
Steve Gregory will be along with more on that. And also, we've learned that NBC4 has an interview with the man behind the wheel of that SUV who's claiming he fell asleep. Family members seem to be there for support. We'll get into all this and play that short clip. Uh, They're going to do the whole interview on tonight's 11 o'clock news. We've been told, John, that we will have an opportunity probably tomorrow to talk to the driver's attorney. Okay. Ray says that she's agreed to come on the show and talk to us. All right. About about their story that he fell asleep. It was not intentional. Of course, Sheriff Inouye came on the show last week and said everything we're looking at so far tells us this was intentional. Right. But remember this. uh, They have not actually filed charges. He's released. They arrested him, released him. There's not an actual case against him yet. So could be he did fall asleep. I'm still thinking there's going to be I, some I, kind of charges. I, but nobody, nobody's explained. And I hate it when I have a question and nobody answers it for days and days. How did the car get in the position of driving parallel to the opposite curb on the wrong side of the road? Like, like if it had swerved in, I could see or gradually glided. Oh, if he's he, asleep? Yeah, he's going in a straight line. Nah. But, but it's on the wrong happening. side of the road. Did you ever... I mean, you used to take those long driving trips, and we worked out there in God knows where, Pennsylvania. Yeah. We've talked about this in the air before. I had a couple of times where I, you know, you blink for a moment, and you are actually, like, out for, like, three seconds. Oh, yeah. You're behind no. the wheel. That's happened to me a couple of times. Yeah, I, did I, had, I had a few of those. Cause I, I and then those. the adrenaline surges in your body, like, holy crap. Yeah. Right? You kind of wake up. Then you're not falling asleep for three hours. Right. Once, once you have a near-death experience. Yeah, but when that would happen with me... Um, the the the, uh, the car would drift. Uh, yes, eventually the car, drift, the car drifted on me a couple of times. That happened. Yeah, because your your hands relax, so you're not holding the wheel as, as tightly, and the car will just kind of fade off Slowly, to the left right. or the right. But he had it going in a straight line there, and looked that, it. It was kind of down the middle. He got those cadets right down the middle. Yeah, it looked like yeah. So I wondered how that worked. Like, did he turn into the wrong lane? How did he get there? And once he got there, his, the car was straight. Uh, it just it doesn't make sense to me. So, well, maybe the attorney will explain that. Uh, the story that keeps on giving is the bankruptcy of the cryptocurrency exchange company FTX. Good old Sam Bankman-Fried, known as SBF to insiders. Uh, <clears throat> they owe Don't trust point- anybody who goes by some... Uh, SBF? Yeah. Some they owe $3 billion dollars to creditors. And now we're getting a closer look at how he spent some of his uh, money in the Bahamas. He bought a $40 million penthouse with views on the water on three sides, a $60 million plot where he broke ground on FTX's future headquarters. Oh, well, that's not going to happen. And he also had this huge yacht, a 52-foot HCB yacht that cost multi-million dollars. Okay. Yeah. He spent thousands of dollars a week to feed his staff in Bahamas. Right. And he's 30 years old, you know, yes. with all the maturity that that age implies. Did so you he, see he, what he, I saw a headline in the San Francisco Chronicle that at one point, I don't know how many years ago, he was an, an obnoxious San Francisco Giants blogger. <laughs> That's he, what he did. Doesn't he have the feeling of some kind of uh, life loser? who just stumbled into a scam, can't believe it, and now he's going to live like the richest guy in the world? Like, I, yes. I, I mean, I, from everything I've seen of him, there's nothing all that impressive. And he admits now all he was doing is, is he was mouthing all these um, 
Um, uh, which what should I call them? Well, virtue signaling platitudes. And yes. he's admitted he gave a lot of money to candidates. He gave a lot of money to causes. And he right. had this uh, a theory called effective altruism that billionaires should give all their money to all the good woke causes causes out there and 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 all these you know silly people the silly uh, millennials who are looking for a spiritual leader yes this is what we need in our country we need billionaires giving away all their money to all the important woke causes oh sam sam you're you're my idol and and they he would give these talks online and people would go nuts like he was some kind of preacher like, like he was some kind of savior for for our humanity he was this this moral compass, and he admits to this writer, "No, that just gave me the armor to do what I whatever I wanted to do." That was because his cover. then yeah. nobody was going to criticize you. And he snowed all the stupid journalists, like financial journalists. Those guys are the biggest hucksters in the world. They're always putting people on the cover who end up being scams. They always do that. They do this rah rah stuff. They do this on some of the business channels, and so they 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 turned him into this superstar. And he's pushing what? A fake currency that nobody understands? But people felt it was the future. Boy, I tell you. I, that has you a know, powerful people, effect. How on... many people say, why did I buy Apple stock in 1983? Look at it now. Apple made a product. <laughs> Even in well, 1983, they made something. Like when they came out with their, with their desktop uh, the versions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, wow, that's cool. What does it do? And then you're told what it does, and it's like, okay, I'll pay $500 for that. That's cool. <laughs> or the, the iPhone came out. Wow, yeah, that's useful. But what was the use for crypto? <laughs> I mean, uh, if I can't buy a donut or a bagel with it, what am I going to use it for? People thought there's got to be an alternative to paper money and credit cards someday, right? What, what if there's not? Something. You know, this belief that you're always going to improve on what's going on now. Yes, that, that's that, how we got here. Yeah, but eventually you hit you hit the end. Eventually, no, that's as far as the technology goes. Now we have a class action lawsuit filed Monday in San Francisco federal court for thousands, if not millions of people outside the United States that trade cryptocurrency on FTX. They are suing the Golden State Warriors because if you didn't know, um, they were big. One of the sports teams and some of their stars were big in promoting the company FTX. Oh, Steph Curry was? Yeah. Yeah, Steph Curry was. Uh, FTX was falsely representing a viable and safe way to invest in crypto. This uh, investor that started this lawsuit is seeking $750,000 worth of losses in his FTX account, as well as damages to customers outside the United States. And uh, the Warriors, um, FTX was their official cryptocurrency platform. And one of the first crypto partnerships they got in sports, the Golden State Warriors. So. Yeah, well, because in San Francisco, they have, I'm sure a lot of their fans are wealthy tech guys and they want to seem cool because those are the guys who pay, you know, thousands of dollars for courtside tickets and skyboxes and, you know, and the whole, all the rest. So, you know, you've got to be the cool team uh, in in San Francisco. All right, coming up next, Steve Gregory is going to join us. He, of course, has been following the uh, tragedy out of Whittier. But it happened last Wednesday morning when a guy in an SUV ran through a bunch of jogging uh, recruits, police recruits, and uh, one of them has uh, suffered a serious setback in his medical condition. Johnny Ken, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And Deborah Mark live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom.
It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Natural. Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.